Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. This is the final episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live for the 2021 calendar year. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe this will be the last podcast on the GBB Podcast Network for the year 2021. And what a year it has been. It's been a pretty good year for the Memphis Grizzlies. It's been a pretty crappy year for for yours truly, if I'm being honest, and the world at large has, has had a rough 2021. But you know what? The Memphis Grizzlies have had a pretty solid last 365 or so days uh, here on this mortal coil that we all share. So we can rejoice in that instead of our shared misery for one episode of this podcast. And I have just the guest to help us do that momentarily. Ways to get in touch with the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. I am the site manager of SB Nation's Grizzly Bear Blues. I'm excited to still be in that role after what seems like a very long time, but it's been a, a wonderful journey and adventure, and, and I'm very fortunate to continue that with you here in this episode and the work that we do every day over at grizzlybearblues.com. You can follow the blog at SBN Grizzlies, of course. You can follow this podcast at GBB Live. My co-host Parker Fleming will be back with me on the next episode. You can follow him on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. And you can follow our great guest on this episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live at Evan underscore B. That's right. Before he goes and is a full-time refocused Memphis football reporter for the commercial appeal, I couldn't think of anybody better to review the year 2021 and look ahead a bit to the year 2022 for the Memphis Grizzlies than my good friend, friend of GBB, friend of GBB Live, and all-around good guy, Mr. Evan Barnes. Evan, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing good, Joe. And just thinking about what you just said, I mean, it does feel crazy that we're at the end of, of 2021. Um, slightly better than 2020, obviously. 2021, we had vaccines, so that makes it better. That's a fair point. But still, man, it has been a very, you know, challenge, another challenging year. But hopefully, you know, us talking about the Grizzlies a little bit will just kind of bring some joy to folks thinking about, how good this year was for them. Yeah. And I do think that's important, right? Cause obviously the pandemic continues to rage and, and I think between the vaccines, as you alluded to and the medications and all sorts of different reasons, uh, it, we're kind of towards the end of that, at least pretending that it's still an issue or that it isn't an issue. Excuse me. Um, clearly it's still an issue, but it, it seems like society is kind of over it for a variety of reasons, including some fair ones with the vaccinations and, better understanding of mitigation. So uh, it's a mixed bag as we appear to be moving on, even though COVID is clearly not done with us. But I do think, you know, leaving that alone, uh, because folks listen to this show for Memphis Grizzlies content, not two guys talking about pandemics. You can see that literally anywhere. Um, I, I do think, Evan, one of the best things about this year, entertainment is supposed to be an escape. Right. And you and I have kind of talked about that in the past. And that's one of the things I enjoy about your Twitter account is it's not just basketball or football. It's, you know, you talk about music a lot. You talk about television shows or movies that you've enjoyed. And I think that we forget, at least I certainly forget, because sports have been such an intense part of my life as a former athlete, as a coach now, covering the team for all these years. I think that for me, it's hard to realize the truth that sports are a form of entertainment, right? So if we're going to talk about things that can take your mind off of the current state of affairs, although 2021 was better than 2020, I feel like most folks would agree with that. 
still not the best year by any stretch of the imagination, but for fans of the Memphis Grizzlies, they have been a welcome distraction from the ongoing struggles that our country, our world, uh, the city of Memphis, and everything in between uh, continue to endure. Definitely. I mean, it, it's one of those things where if you look at this Grizzly season, like the last, let's just say, we'll say January, because honestly, you know, the way things went January 2021, you can kind of say it was the start of the season, I guess, because that's when a small number of fans can come back in the arena. I would say if you start from there and you go to where the Grizzlies are now, there's a lot to be happy about. And I think really, if you're honest, like the Grizzlies have been the best story in Memphis in terms of like the major sports teams where you see where they were. Let's let's go back to January 2021, right? Lakers come to town for a pair of games. Marcus Gasol comes back. He can't get the proper reunion that, you know, he should have with roaring fans cheering his name and everything. It was a very interesting, muted celebration. Jaw was hurt. Um, the Grizzlies lost those two games to the Lakers. And you think about where here we are 11 months later, the Grizzlies have beaten the Lakers twice this season. Marcus Gasol got his ovation and love when he came back for Zach Randolph's jersey retirement. And the Grizzlies obviously have a healthy John Morant and they're, they're, they're fourth in the West right now as we're recording this. I mean, it's amazing how this team has just really been, you know, coming ahead of schedule. And now they're at the point where people are expecting them now to compete for more than just, you know, the play in tournament. I, I think it's, it's been great to see people come alive. And I think, as the pandemic started to, you know, we saw the vaccines come into play in March and April, and we got to see more fans coming back. And then when the Grizzlies got to the playoffs, more fans could come in. You saw more of the life return to what FedEx form should be. I mean, I can't help but think about how the Grizzlies, what they've done. I'm not going to say it's parallel to how we've kind of gotten through the pandemic. I think that minimizes the obvious toll of it. But I do think that as we've gotten through the year, and there's a little bit more hope in the air. There's a little bit more um, hope that, you know, maybe 2022 will be a little bit better. You can look at the Grizzlies and say they can be a source of that hope because look where they were 11 months ago and look where they are now, a team that's got so much promise and everything. I think a lot of people are going to just be happy to see this team be that source of joy, especially in Memphis right now. And you expand it even beyond just, the, you know, the last 11 months. Think about where this team was in 2019, you know, before they won the lottery and and no disrespect to Zion Williamson. Obviously, he's an extremely wonderful talent and was the rightful number one pick back in 2019. Uh, but, you know, two and a half years ago or a little more, almost three years now, I guess, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies were directionless, right? They they were uh, adrift. They they had a couple of good pieces, but. Uh, but since the time that Zach Kleiman, the, the general manager of the Grizzlies or executive vice president, basketball operations, whatever his official title is, uh, since the time he officially took the reins of the organization, the day-to-day operations, the, the team has done a complete 180. I think there's only three guys that are still on the team uh, from the, the, that team three seasons ago, Jaron Jackson Jr., Dylan Brooks, and uh, maybe Kyle Anderson, I think, is the third. So, it, you know, there's been a ton of change for this organization, this franchise in a short amount of time. And I've really enjoyed getting the chance to watch them grow the way they have, because, and I wrote about this in the report card for GBB after the Lakers win. This is one of those things that you remember as the ascent occurs, right? Like when the, when the actual championship is won and everybody's celebrating at a parade and that sort of stuff, all those goals that everybody has, 
you know, these are the things that you remember, right? These are the things that will stay with you. It's cool to win a championship and you want to win a championship. But for me, Evan, sports, and this kind of goes back to the idea of entertainment, sport is about the connection that you make to the team that you support or to a player that you support. If you're just out there hoping for championships, you lose the point of what makes sports great. And it's the collective struggle that so, so magnificently uh, lines up with life. And I think to kind of go along with what you were saying, that's what I enjoy most with watching the Memphis Grizzlies right now. They do kind of mirror what's happening in the world in terms of a, a reawakening of what makes Memphis so wonderful as a sports town, no disrespect to the Tigers in my experience. Cause again, I have followed the team almost a decade now or over a decade now uh, in, in my experience, it, Memphis has been a Grizzlies town. And I know that the Tigers obviously with Calipari and all that stuff that that still lingers. And even before that, of course, Larry Finch and, and others, uh, the, the heyday of Penny as a player and, I get that all that matters, but in my Memphis life, since starting in 2011, it's been the Memphis Grizzlies. And when the Grizzlies are good, the town just seems brighter. They're, they're not solving world hunger or ending racism or, or anything like that. But there's no denying that Memphis is a better place when the Grizzlies are thriving. And they are thriving right now, thanks in large part to John Morant. Yeah, I mean, I think you're you're dead on with that. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean... I- I would I would just say from from being here, I definitely know that the Tigers have a hold. Tigers men's basketball has a hold on this city um, in a great way. And I think when the Tigers are good, a lot of things can happen. But you brought up a good point. I mean, think about those grit and grind years. I mean, like even watching in L.A., they were teams that you just didn't want to face, but you didn't want to, you know, you didn't want to, you know, lose to them because obviously they would just wear you down. But like to hear what people have said to me about what that era means to Memphis it makes me excited for what this era is going to mean as well. You got somebody who is on pace to be as celebrated as a player as anyone who's wore Grizzlies uniform if he stays on this pace in John Morant. You got a young core that's growing, that likes to be around each other. They're like, they're almost like a college team. Like I keep saying, like you cover this team, they're like a college team. They're a bunch of young guys. About to say, it makes sense because they're so young. Right. They get get along so well. I mean, it's, it's like you said. You're getting it on the ground floor watching an indie band before they go mainstream, but that indie band kind of already has like a top 10 hit and a top five album already if you want to put the Grizzlies comparison on it. Like it's watching a team that is clearly building something good. Again, you don't want to get ahead of it, but like Jaron Jackson said the other night, we're talking about Ja. Sometimes you just got to watch and enjoy. Don't try to dissect it. Don't try to make sense of it. Just enjoy it because it's a journey that feels so good and so special. And I love what you said, like sports to me is about, it's not just about winning or losing. It's the journey. It's about enjoying the process. It's about enjoying a team that's winning and figuring it out. And those are where the memories come in. Like, yeah, you may want a championship because you'll remember that for for a long time. I can tell you being in LA, you remember championships and everything like that, but grit and grind in Memphis will always be remembered. Like we'll be sitting around 40 years from now, whatever, doing whatever, grit and grind in Memphis will have people light up talking about that era as if it was, you know, the best era, of, you know, people have been through in Memphis. I mean, it, it means something. So to see what these Grizzlies are going to do, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited for what 2022 is going to hold for this team because they have shown that there's reason to believe, there's reason to have hope, and most importantly, there's reason to get excited about what they can do next. 
Before we get to 2022, I do want to wrap up 2021 with Mr. Evan Barnes. Again, he, he is recently going back full-time to his beat on the, uh, the Memphis Tiger football team. But darn it, Evan Barnes was a very good, very, very good Grizzlies reporter. And uh, I hope he's able to stick around with the Grizzlies in some capacity, help out here and there, help to Michael out a little bit. We had him on the show a few weeks ago, and he's terrific, and we wish him well. Uh, but Evan will always have a soft spot in this cold blogger heart uh, of myself. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, Evan, looking back on this year and seeing how John Morant has exploded, Jaron Jackson Jr. has returned to form in some ways. His, his shooting slump perhaps is the subject for another article or podcast or something along those lines. Um, but again, at least in terms of his impact and trajectory to being that number two or number three, to John Morant and somebody else potentially, uh, which we'll talk about in the second segment. Um, you know, I, I think that he's back on that. You saw Dylan Brooks thrive in the playoffs, the play in tournament, obviously the rise of Desmond Bain this season has been really fun to watch unfold. You mentioned the Zach Randolph retirement and how wonderfully done that was. You saw former players, you saw media members, you saw members of other organizations. I think it was Doc Rivers, for example, uh, of the Philadelphia 76ers, talking about how wonderful that was and how great of a tribute that was to Zach and what he meant to the city. The Grizzlies have had a lot of highlights in, in 2021. So I'm wondering for you, Evan, as someone that was right there front and center for a vast majority of it, was it the Utah playoff series? Was it the play-in tournament itself when Ja would go against Steph Curry? Was it Zebo's retirement ceremony? Maybe it was the Lakers game this past week uh, where, where Memphis had uh, Jaw versus LeBron showdown that Morant got the best of, <laughs> at worst, the number two basketball player of all time. Uh, I'm comfortable saying he's better than Jordan, but I know that puts me in the minority opinion. Uh, I was just watching his highlights from you know his birthday was on Thursday and good Lord, he's just such a special athlete basketball player, but I digress. He's getting older and John Morant is a pretty damn special basketball player. And I think it's fair to say he got the better of LeBron uh, in their last encounter. So I'm curious, Evan, for you, what is the best or what stands out the most uh, when it comes to looking at this Grizzlies franchise in the year they had? Oh, I mean, you, you kind of touched on a lot of those moments, but I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and just go with, the the play in win over over the war at the Warriors house and then winning game one of the Jazz series. I think those two things happening in what in uh in uh what back to you know you know the two the two two consecutive games that was kind of when you saw people stand up and take notice around the league because obviously people knew how good job was people knew this team had been a good story but when you go to Chase Center in overtime you beat the Warriors to get to the playoffs and then Rachel Nichols says it's the youngest team to make the playoffs in 10 years. I mean, that just makes you stand up and say, oh, this is something different here. This is something really, really different. And then for them to ride that and go into game one at Utah, obviously the Jazz didn't have Donovan Mitchell, but still, you steal game one. You're the talk of the NBA for the next couple of days. I mean, it, it makes you realize, oh, my gosh, this team is capable of something really, really special. Because those were moments where it was like, all right, you get to the playing tournament, maybe you face the Warriors, you lose, good season. No, you win that sucker. Then you win a game at Utah, which means they have to win to force the game five. So it was like, you're going to get two games at, at FedEx Forum, which are going to be rocking. I mean, 
that to me was a moment where I was like, wow, this this team is really, really kind of put it together in a special way. And again, you can look at other things like obviously Jaws 47 points in the playoffs was special. Um, obviously his duels with Le- his duel with LeBron the other day was was really great. Um the rise of Desmond Bain this year, of course, your 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 favorite. Oh gosh, I do love Desmond Bain. Yeah, I mean that could probably be one of my favorite moments. You every game saying start Desmond oh, Bain. Oh gosh, like, and I've had to advance it. He's a Hall of Famer now, Evan. Nah, He's see, a Hall of Famer see, at this stage. See, look, I'm, now they're not coming the team anymore. Now I can like give you some more hell for that. Oh, <laughs> that's fair, and I deserve everything. But, um, exactly but no, right. I mean, like the rise of Desmond Bain has been fun. Um. Shoot, a healthy Jaron Jackson has been great to see this year. Um, another game I think that kind of stand out to me is the win over the the Miami Heat, where Ja had the game winning uh, had the game winning layup and put the Absolutely. finger put the phone to his head and said, "Call 12. That was I a good one. That was a really that was a really fun moment because I thought we had a we had a cool picture of that with our photographer. So I liked it. But I mean, just the fact that we can talk about those moments, like we thought that last year was going to be a year where it's like, okay, we're watching to see what Justice Winslow could do. Will Jaron Jackson come back? There was all this kind of like what if, hope, dread, whatever. And it ended up with, you know, two great moments with those two games I mentioned. And then obviously the momentum going into this season. I mean, those are probably the two moments that stand out to me is like, okay, this team, we're going to remember those two games because that's when the NBA took a little bit more notice. And now you're just kind of building on that now with where they are right now being fourth in the West. And I wrote about it at the time. It's earning scar tissue, right? It's the idea that when the Grizzlies hopefully win their first divisional title in 2022, uh, the first time in franchise history they win a division title, they should be the heavy favorite at this stage for that. Dallas, uh, I don't have it in front of me. I want to say the Mavericks are five games or so back of the Grizzlies uh, for, for that lead. So, it, you know, again, to somebody from Los Angeles and California, Maybe you roll your eyes at divisional titles when you don't have any of those banners in, in your rafters just yet. Uh, you'll you'll happily take one. So I think that is something to keep an eye on the fact that they have done so well and they're in a position to if they are the four seed, which, again, maybe you take the field and we'll talk more about this in a moment. It maybe you take the field when you're looking at the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Mavericks and you know, other teams that are behind the Grizzlies at the moment. Um, But if Memphis is the favorite to be the number four seed, that means you have home court advantage in a first round playoff series. That means maybe the series goes six or seven games, but you are favored more than likely to get out of the first round. That's remarkable when, you know, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. are still going to be 22 years old when April and April and May roll around. So, it's all good vibes right now, to be honest with you. And I, I do think one of the things that makes it best, aside from the scar tissue that they earned in the playoffs, aside from the current level of play that they are exhibiting, how special John Morant has been, how remarkable the improvement of Desmond Bain has been, uh, you know, just being able to see, again, that Zach Randolph ceremony. I'm with you on the court. That those two games were extremely important. Those would be mine as well. But for me, it's going to be the Zach Randolph retirement because it showed what basketball means to that city. And I haven't lived there in seven years. I've had a chance to visit several times since I moved. But those emotions and those feelings of watching those teams being fortunate enough to live in the city 
and attend the Western Conference Finals in 2013 and to cover, as a member of the media, the 2014 playoff series against the Thunder and be, be there sitting in the press conference when, uh, when Adam Silver came out talking about Donald Serling and, you know, Brian Windhorst and J.A. Adonde are sitting next to me in the media room, you know, to, to have had the chance at the peak of that movement in that moment to, to be in that city, that for me, just on a personal level, just brought back a whole lot of wonderful old memories and feelings of a, a place that I still hold near and dear to my heart, obviously. That's why I'm still doing this all these years later it is in large part because of how I felt about my three years there. So I would say off the court, it has to be the Zach retirement, but I'm with you in terms of the games and their importance. We can and, all agree yeah. that it, it's been a great year. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say this about the Zebo ceremony. I mean, it was such a uniquely Memphis moment that yes. I really enjoyed it. And I saw people's reactions to it. Like, I, you know, obviously we have a lot of friends who are Grizzlies fans, and I, I love talking to them just privately about stuff and seeing the, their feelings. And you saw people talk about what that era meant to them. I went to the documentary screening that uh, the Grizzlies put together for, for Zach, and I thought it was a very – well done documentary they did on him that explained not just what he meant on the court, but in the community. And then when I got a chance to talk to Zebo for that story I did, you got the feeling that he really appreciated that Memphis showed him love because he wanted to show Memphis that same love. So for me, that's like you said, that ceremony was about Memphis, but it was about love. It's about a player who did literally did everything Memphians want, love the city, give us respect, honor us, fight for us. That's what Memphis wants. And Zebo wanted to do that because he was fighting for his own reputation. He had to fight for somebody who was, was looked at as, you know, somebody who couldn't stick around on a team, somebody who had a lot of unfair, you know, baggage placed on him in Portland. And he ended up fighting for his reputation as well. And now he's become this as important to Memphis sports as anyone in the last 20 years, honestly, like it's special. It's very special to see that. And I know you, you mentioned it, but I'm just like, man, that, that was an education for me, for a lot of the right, for some of the writers here who weren't around for grit and grind. That was an education to really appreciate what Zach meant to this city. Like again, when, when Marcus all and Mike Holly and, you know, hopefully Tony Allen pending legal issues aside, when they get their jerseys retired, it's going to mean something special because those guys brought a legacy to this city that the current Grizzlies are building on. And I think, it's going to be fun to see that. But yeah, that ceremony was, it was a lot of fun, man. I wish you could have been here for it. It was a lot of fun. I thought about it. I thought about it, but you know, SB nation didn't want to pay my ticket. Yeah, no, I, I'm just kidding. Nah, I'm just kidding. I, I didn't even ask. I was, by the, by the way, can I bring this up too, man? Like I got sure. Because Parker played this off so well. Cause I didn't, I, you know, obviously I love Parker, you know, he's at the games, all this stuff. Shout out to Parker. Yeah, I did not know Parker's um, fiance was in the documentary. So I looked up at the documentary and I see Parker. I'm like, oh, Parker. And oh, wait, that's your your fiance. Oh. And I didn't realize. So Allie Allie was in the documentary. Allie Allen, who I just got to know to seeing Parker's Instagram and how much he loves her and cares about her and is just a great, great guy with her. But to hear Allie's story about how much Zebo meant to her, like that's what it meant. Like that to me is like, the Zebo experience is not about the numbers or the, the the playoff wins or the moments. It's about a guy who meant something to people who have stories about him. And that's what I loved about it. So shout out to you guys for at least sharing those stories and for being, being a part of it. So 
Um, yeah, man, I just shout you guys out for that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. No, Parker is great. So is Allie. And, uh, you know, we, I, I had a chance and we can uh, end the segment on this. I had a chance to be on a podcast pot of fame. It's a really cool concept. Uh, a guy does a podcast. It's like baseball hall of fame, football hall of fame, basketball hall of fame. And he, you know, debates players, uh, in their hall of fame prospects. And he wanted to do one on Zach Randolph and he reached out to me, which I appreciated. And we had a great mm-hmm. conversation. I loved recording the show and he landed on Zach, not being, a Hall of Famer. And, and there's all sorts of reasons for that, right? Statistically speaking, he was never this player. He was never this many times all NBA. There's all sorts of things you can point to. And I don't think I'm mad at him for that opinion. He's a Memphis Hall of Famer. And that sounds cheesy, but that really is all that, that all that matters, you know, in terms of, in terms of Zach's impact, Allie's story, all the great work that Zach did paying utility bills helping kids with school supplies, all the things that you'll never know Zach did. Uh, the story of him with the young man with Down syndrome, I believe it was, and yes. the, you know, the, the wonderful you know, meme video that always pops up every once in a while. You know, that's, that's what the grit and grind Grizzlies were. They were organic. They were real. And that's what stands out to me most. Because you can be very cynical and very jaded in, in sport, in life, <laughs> you know, when it comes to professional stuff and I think that's what makes it most special to me because I was there. I felt it. It was real. And you don't really get that very often, especially with professional sports. So uh, shout out to the Memphis Grizzlies for a hell of a 2021. Uh, Evan Barnes, you and I, obviously you closer than me, uh, had a chance to enjoy it. And and it was a wonderful distraction from the world continuing to be on fire. However, Evan Barnes. 2022 is upon us and we need to look ahead here in the next segment, thinking about what this team is going to do. Are they going to stay the course? Are they going to make a swing? Jalen Brown's name has been brought up. Bradley Beal's name has been brought up. How legitimate is that? Maybe not very legitimate, but it makes for wonderful hashtag content. And I've got a great guy to talk about that with and more. Mr. Evan Barnes, when we come back in the second segment, don't go anywhere. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinex, having a wonderful conversation with our good friend at GBB, good friend in general, wonderful guy. He covered the Grizzlies in 2021 uh, for the commercial appeal. He's going back to the Memphis football beat, uh, but he was working two jobs for a very long time, and he did both of them extremely well at Evan underscore B. Uh, Just a wonderful follow on Twitter. Can't stress enough how great he is. Evan, I know that time is short for you, so I just want to get you out of here on the question of the day. Uh, What must the Grizzlies franchise do to become an NBA Finals contender by the year 2024? Obviously, this is going to be the year 2022, but the purpose of the question was to kind of think, do they go all in now? Do they push in their chips this year? Maybe not this season. Maybe it's the offseason. Maybe it's around the draft where they have three draft picks in the 2022 draft. They still have the Golden State first rounder in 2024. They own all of their own first round picks. Lots of cap-friendly, tradable assets. Even if you move Kevin, or excuse me, Kyle Anderson and Tyus Jones off of the list because they're expiring contracts. Say they keep them and they both walk, okay? Because Memphis wants to stay a top 10 team in the NBA and they just hold on to those guys 
and they can't resign them for whatever reason. I don't know if that's what's going to happen, but let's say that does. And they want to trade a DeAnthony Melton, a Dylan Brooks, three first round picks and see if the, you know, the Celtics are interested in a framework of a deal for Jalen Brown. Uh, or do you think because of what you've seen this past season and this past year in 2021, that it's in the best interest of the Grizzlies to kind of stay the course, to let this group continue to grow and develop, to continue to outperform expectation. That is what our voters felt, uh, thanks to the over 170 folks that participated in the poll. 70, or excuse me, 46% of our voters said the Grizzlies should do nothing. They should continue to follow this course, continue to allow this core of guys to grow and get better together, and that will eventually lead them to an NBA Finals contendership. The number two vote was trading for a recent NBA All-Star, and that was 33% of the vote. So I'll, I'll let you get out of here on this, Evan. From your experience watching this team, watching them grow, watching them develop, both virtually, in person, here, there, and everywhere, you've had a front-row seat to the development and the maturity of the Memphis Grizzlies. Do you think in the year 2022 they need to go get the third man? Or do you think the third man may already be on the roster in Desmond Bain? Do you think a combination of that mentality and the depth that this team clearly has should be the priority moving forward, keeping the gang together, resigning Kyle Anderson, resigning Tyus Jones, and just seeing how things progress? If you were in Zach Kleiman's seat, what would you do to have the Grizzlies in a prime position to be a championship contender as LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kawhi Leonard, those guys age out and Memphis and Ja Morant take their potentially rightful place at the top of the NBA. Okay. So it's going to be tricky for me because last year was when I kind of pointed to this year in the sense that the 2022 offseason was going to be critical for them to make a move. It was going to be critical to make a move because you have the cap space, you have the lottery picks, or excuse me, the draft picks. Um, you have Jaws contract extension coming up. You have to make a statement now because the worst thing you can do as, an, as a team, in my opinion, is believe you have time. It's I call it the illusion of time. Like you assume, well, we have this core. We're going to keep it together, ride it out. And the next thing you know, in two years, the window is gone. And so I always say that for me, a team has to always act as if you may not have another chance. You have to basically kind of either, yes, you're still building for the future, but I'm someone who says if you can make a move or look for a move, do it while you can because you may not get that chance again. So I think if I was the Grizzlies, what I would do, obviously we did not expect, well, I'll scratch that. Some of us expected Desmond Bain to kind of have a breakthrough year. but nobody Thank you. Thank but, you. But, I expected well, it because I love Desmond Bain very much. Yes, and, and don't forget, I wrote in my preview this year for my five predictions, what if Desmond Bain is a more improved, a better, most improved candidate than Jaron Jackson? I did write that in the commercial appeal. You but, did. You do deserve credit for that. But, and, you know, I'll take some. But we did not expect Desmond Bain to be like this, where he would clearly be comfortable, clearly look like somebody who is not going to have a sophomore slump. Um, but I would say with Desmond Bain's growth, you have to ask yourself kind of sort of, you know, how sustainable is it? How is it going to grow into, you know, another year alongside John Dylan Brooks? I think it's possible Desmond Bain can be the player that you hope can be because they need his shooting. They need someone who can get to the basket and score. They need somebody besides John Dylan Brooks who can 
put fear in people from the perimeter. So I think what I would do is you listen, to, you you make offers. I wouldn't say listen because you're probably in a position you have to make those offers. I would start making some offers. I'd start saying, look, if you have a chance to make a trade for somebody at the trade deadline, you listen, you see, you look at where you are in the in the in the uh, standings, and you say, okay, let's go for it. You make a move if it's there. I don't think you make a move just because you have to. But the Grizzlies have shown that they don't usually let expiring contracts sit and go bust until the end of the year. Like that means I would not be surprised if they make a move involving Kyle Anderson where they try to swing for somebody, but they have to swing for somebody who can be that number three. They have to swing for somebody who's going to be an impact starter. Um, I don't think you can just swing for like someone like a Justice Winslow where you hope he turns into a player like that. You have to swing for somebody who is a clear cut coming in the gate, going to impact the team on day one and be that supporting player or supporting guy along with Ja and Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, I don't know who that's going to be. Um, I know we were all talking about Jalen Brown, but I have my doubts if Boston's really going to make that move and blow that core up with Jason Tatum. But I do think that if you have to, if you have, if you can make an offer to somebody for someone who can help this team, and I'm not talking Ben Simmons, I'm not talking Dame Willard, I'm not talking even Bradley Beal, I'm talking about somebody who can come in and help this team be a contender, you know, who can help fill some of the gaps that are there. You look into making that move. Now, does a team make that move? I don't know. Trades are a two-way street. But you at least explore it. And then this offseason, what I would do if I'm Zach Kleiman, look, let's assume the Lakers, you know, make the playoffs. You still have that first-round pick. So you probably have, what, three first-round picks in the mid-ranges. You start talking to every team and say what you want. You start saying, what do you want for these picks? Because you don't really need another rookie. You got Zaire Williams who you want to build and grow and develop. And you said he's going to be someone you have a long-term, taking a long-term view on. You don't need the first round pick. So what I would do is I dangle those picks this summer and say, what do you want? If you can't get, if you can't put them in a trade at the trade deadline, I start calling teams and say, what do you want? What do you want to do with this? Cause you need it more than we do. I would basically put the onus on them and see what you can get. Now um, that's probably what I would do. Maybe that's a little bit vague. Cause I'm not saying directly you go try to get an all-star because again, you can try to get an all-star that all-star has got to want to come here too. And I think the Grizzlies will put themselves in good position based on being a good team this year where uh, All-Star might be like, you know what? I want to come play with those guys. Like, John's going to be here for a few more years. I want to, you know, ride that ship out. Let's see what happens. So um, I, I don't know. But I would say that if I'm Zach Kleiman, you at least try. You try to make the big swing. Like, I think if you try to keep the core as it is, it's a mistake because clearly the last, the last year, last season, that's kind of what they did except they got, you know, they sent out – Jonas and he sent out Grayson Allen. They kind of were like, okay, we're going to kind of sit this year and see what happens. 2020, before obviously pandemic, you know, with the pandemic influence and things after the bubble, they were going to sit out anyway because Justice Winslow was basically their big free agent swing. So what I think you have to do is if the swing is there, you got to take it because the mistake you make is if you keep this core together thinking, hey, we got this, it can work, then you got to worry about how do you pay everybody? Because remember, I believe next year, 2023, Dylan's a free agent. Then you got to worry about, um, you know, when D'Anthony Melton's going to be a free agent, you know, in the coming years after that. Bane. Yeah, yeah. Bane's going to get, you know, going to have to get extended, you know, after 2020, uh, I believe, 
Whoa, is that 2023 where he get extended? The same oh. year as Melton. And you got to imagine that Bain, at the very least, Duncan Robinson is the starting point now for Bain, right? Oh. Like, I, Robinson makes, what, $18 million a year? I, if, if, if I'm Desmond Bain's agent and we know who his, his, he switched representation this past summer to, to John Morant's agent, I would say that's exactly the starting point. And I'm saying your Desmond Bain's a much more well-rounded player than Duncan Robinson. I would agree. So who knows? Who knows what could happen right there? So if you're keeping the core together, you got to figure out how to pay all these guys because Dylan Brooks is going to want to get paid. Desmond Bain is earning his extension right now. And oh, by the way, we haven't even discussed Brandon Clark, who's eligible for an extension this summer. But the Grizzlies can decide what they're going to do with him um, if they're going to wait to do it over the summer with Ja or they're going to wait to take care of him after the season. Um, so there's a lot of things you got to think about. So that's why I think keeping the core together. There's a whole lot at play here. So I think if you're the Grizzlies, this offseason is going to be really the first, the, the main step where you say, look, we're going to take a step now to try to be a team that's going to be here for a while. Because obviously you don't want to waste John Jaron on their second contract. You want to make sure that by the time John's on that second contract, this team is ready to make a run for them. So there's a lot of play. So hopefully that answered the question. I'm a little bit complex with it, but it's, it's a lot to consider. So I would say swing away, but swing wisely. You don't just need to make a deal just to make a deal. Make a wise deal that's going to help the team get better, not just dump salary or whatever, but get somebody who's going to be a impact player from day one. Zach Lowe on the low post, and I'll get you out of here on this, Evan. Zach Lowe said Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, uh, crap, the other person's on, maybe Kyle Anderson, and then three first-round picks and then two swaps were his starting point for Jalen Brown. And that seemed like a lot to me uh, in terms of pick uh, acquisition, especially. And then apparently Boston fans hated it as well. So that tells you it's probably a fair trade. Um, I I don't know that I'm comfortable with that for Jalen Brown. I think to go along with what your point is, and I think you're exactly right. If they do move off of Kyle Anderson, it needs to be for an upgraded version of that. Keep an eye as he gets healthy, and I know you've talked about him before, Jeremy Grant in Detroit. Uh, he's a guy who clearly signed with Detroit. He's not looking for the bright lights, big city. You know, He's somebody that would be happy in Memphis, you would imagine. Surely he would not cost as much as Jalen Brown. Jeremy Grant, I do believe, was a recent all-star going along with our poll. Uh, Grant was in that mix. Gold medalist, medalist Jeremy Grant. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that, again, if we're talking about upgraded version of Kyle Anderson, Jeremy Grant would essentially be that. I I know they're not exactly the same, of course, but Grant would be a guy who can play the three, can play the four, do a lot of the things that Kyle does and be a more explosive offensive option. If you're looking at a trade that would potentially involve Kyle Anderson, maybe the Anthony Melton, maybe, maybe it's a Brandon Clark to go along with what you said, if they're not comfortable paying Brandon and then whatever salary cap filler, you know, Jarrett Culver's contract is almost screaming to be one that he was just brought in to be traded. Um, so I, I think that if you take two first round picks and Kyle Anderson and Culver and like I said, maybe Brandon Clark and you send that to Detroit for Jeremy Grant, maybe that's enough. And, and that is something that would be very interesting because it makes Memphis that much better both now and in the future. Grant's prime lines up closely not exactly but closely with what you expect morant and jackson jr to be doing in their second contracts evan barnes i know we're over on time 
Thank you so much for joining me, buddy. It is much appreciated. Thank you so much for all your work this year. I've told you both publicly and privately that uh, you worked your ass off. You did a remarkable job. You should be very proud of what you've done in Memphis for the Commercial Appeal in 2021. Continued success, my friend. Enjoy the holiday. Happy New Year to you and yours. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Joe, thank you for the kind words. It's been great. It's been a pleasure to cover this team for almost two years. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed getting to know you and so many other people. It's been great. And now I can sit back and enjoy a little bit and see what happens. And we're obviously going to keep enjoying DeMichael Cole at the Commercial Appeals. Yes. Keep reading him. He is a bright star who's going to continue to get better. But I have enjoyed handing this off to him. And now it's going to be a – let's see what happens in 2022. So thank you so much, Joe. Absolutely. Thank you. Shout out to DeMichael Cole. Make sure you're subscribing to the Commercial Appeal. Uh, I know I shouldn't probably say this, but I'm an I'm a independent blog, kind of. So I can subscribe to the Daily Memphian. Subscribe to local media. That's extremely important. Pay for it. Go behind the paywall. The work of Evan, DeMichael, all the other folks that do great work there in Memphis. I take pride in being the best free option for Grizzlies content. But I'm a subscriber to the CEA and to the Daily Memphian, and I'll continue to be so. Thank you so much to Evan. Thank you so much to you for all of your listening on Spot on Spotify, Spotify, on Apple, on iHeart, on Stitcher, anywhere that you can get podcasts. Thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing, making GrizzlyBearBlues.com a part of your Memphis Grizzlies experience. I've been doing this a long time. It never gets old. The opportunity to be a part of that wonderful journey. That is Memphis Grizzlies fandom. It's not lost on me how cool it is that I get to talk to people like Evan. Not lost on me how wonderful it is to have the media presence that we do, the access that we do to the organization, the way that we cover the organization. It's all amazing, and I'm appreciative of it today, just like I was when I started at grizzlybearblues.com all the way back in 2013, which is crazy to say out loud. For Evan I'm Joe Mullinax, Grind Forth Grizz Nation. Happy New Year. We'll catch you in 2022. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live.